God, my head's as big as uh, A380. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to episode 34 of What's Happening in Travel. Uh, my name is Kerwin, and my buddy is Gushrow. Exactly, and we are here another week in the exciting world of aviation. Um, Kushro, what background do you have today? Um, I have an, I'm on a Boeing 747 gig for some reason, and I have an Air India. So, do you know which airport that was? Sorry? you know which airport that is? Bombay. Oh, okay. All right, cool. And I have an A380 that's coming all the way at me, at Singapore Airlines A380. I think I took this in Singapore years and years and years ago. But if you're watching it online, it makes me look like my head's an airplane. It's really, really funky. <laughs> all right, so let's get into it. Um, uh, okay, so... Now, Alaska had, uh, Ireland's always trying to get more money, right? Or try to give you more space and things like that. So Alaska had a buy one, get one free deal, but it was really expensive. Like it was 600 bucks to get to, um, to Houston, to uh, Seattle, I think it was. Um, which I guess is not bad since you have two people and all that, but they have it in again. So what are they doing with that, Christian? So they've given it this catchy name with, uh get the row with BOGO, which is buy one, get one. And um, notice they don't say BOGO free. So what you have to do is buy a qualifying fare, and then you can get another fare without paying the actual airline ticket fee, but you pay only the taxes and other charges, which sometimes can be more than itself. So, uh, but I still think it's a unique way to generate passenger traffic in these lean periods. Um, and this is the second iteration of yeah. this program from Alaska because they did the first time they did it in early August. And um, if you're interested, it's already too late because they start, it was a two day sale from uh, starting from September 15th and you had to travel by October 31st. Uh, what okay. they've also done is uh, promise that all middle seats on eligible aircraft will be kept free until December 31st, currently. So if you took advantage of this sale, you would essentially have a role to yourself with your travel companion. Now, what they didn't specify is whether, let, let's say I want to travel by myself, but I wanted the role. Could I book myself twice on the aircraft, or did I necessarily require a travel companion? It that wasn't very that way. And I wasn't about to book a seat to find out. Yeah. But I think um, it's hmm. as Alaska says to give our guests further peace of mind while traveling with Alaska's next level care safety measures. Now, all these airlines are taking these precautions to, to ensure that their aircraft are clean and to put passengers' minds at ease. But uh, this, I thought, was just a unique way of uh, doing this. But of course, there are lots and lots of uh, exceptions. Like, for instance, if your flight is canceled and if you're reprotected on another flight, the guarantee is gone. So you could be sitting next to someone. Now, I can see a that lot of unhappy people. 
and complaining passengers if this happens. But at least they've mentioned it. Yeah. Um, of course, it's not eligible for first class because first class is rarely three abreast. Never, almost. And it's not um, valid for basic economy fares. Uh, they have specified additional restrictions like to go to Hawaii and Mexico from the US. It's only for Sunday through Wednesday flights. And to come back from Hawaii and Mexico, you have to travel Tuesday through Friday. And you can only fly Monday through Thursday and Saturday on all the other um, eligible flights. Okay. So... And of course, on their regional arm, um, it's not valid because they're smaller aircraft and uh, there's no middle seat, essentially, on the Dash 8. So, yeah. So, so, I mean, they're, they're and the just... discount code, sorry, let me, in oh, case, you, well, as I said, you can't really. Well, you can't, because it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It's called Get Your Row, yeah. is the discount code. So. So one of the things to do is that if you um, if you want to get these deals, you need to go to the airline's website and you need to subscribe to all their special deals because um, they will always send you an email about it. Uh, or if you join their frequent flyer program, you'll get an email. And so you can get all these deals because I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of these deals coming out. And yes, yeah. you're going to miss them. Uh, it's <laughs> almost like email fatigue, right? If you get this from all the carriers. Well, I'm bombarded I mean, with emails, but I guess you can't get anything for free. Right. You I have mean, to I, put up I, with some. Exactly. I get them. I get a lot of emails from them. Uh, just, oh, you do? Yeah. Um, I okay. mean, that's, that's how I know about a lot of the deals that they have. Because if you don't, I mean, and I've joined the frequent flyer program, so they'll send you stuff. But if you, if you want to get these deals, that's kind of how you have to do it. Yeah. Um, because email marketing is the cheapest way for them to get that done. Uh, my guess is that they they did it again because it it made money the first time. I guess so, yeah. And so, but I'm surprised they ended it October 31st instead of continuing it until let's say just before the Thanksgiving holiday in late November. Well, because they're probably going to have another one. Um, so yeah, but yeah. Who knows? We'll find out. What it is, yeah. Uh, because all they, I mean, all they're trying to do is just to fill seats during this this downtime. Right. This is a normal downtime. It's just going to be Correct. abnormally Correct. low anyway. Um, all right, cool. So, well, good on them. But, uh, but it is expensive to fly, just so you know, because I looked at one and it was really expensive. 600 bucks to go to Seattle is expensive. Is that round trip? Um, it better be, right? I think it was round trip. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really expensive. Um, all right. So... What's going on with, uh, <laughs> I saw this headline and somebody was like, uh, the airplane, uh, Southwest is 75 pounds overweight or something like that. It was a really sketchy headline. But what's going on with Southwest and the airplane? This weight? is rare bad press for Southwest. And again, this is a very odd and very weird story. Uh-huh. So I think it has to do with the fact that the, FAA, which is the Federal Aviation Administration here in the U.S., has been um, uh, has come under severe criticism for the way it mishandled the Boeing 737 Max hmm. situation. 
So they're sort of trying to be a little more assertive in maintaining that they actually are valid and all that sort of thing. But still, a lot of details are not very clear. So long story short, Southwest waits for their 737-800, which they first received in 2012, have been off by 75 pounds. And what they said, they didn't say whether it was above 75 of a minimum of the empty weight of the aircraft or below. Could not find that out. Now, you may think 75 pounds is not a lot. What is that, about 35-ish kilograms? About two bags. No, no, actually, yes, you're right, 35-ish yeah. kilos. But it's, I guess, the principle of it, because um, I read the document that the FAA has put out, the way the airlines calculate center of gravity, because the weight um, is indirectly used to calculate the moment data, as it's called, where exactly is the center of gravity of the aircraft, you know, and how passengers and cargo and fuel should be loaded. It has to do with centroid data, which if you remember your mathematics, it's the center, for example, where is the center of a triangle? So they divide up the plane into all these multiple areas and they calculate the center of each of those multiple areas and depending on the standard weight of, let's say a passenger or fuel or carry-on bags or checked-in bags, they determine where and when, where essentially everything goes. So even though 75 pounds may not seem like a large amount, it matters in the overall scheme of things. So here's what happened. In May and August, 2018, um, Southwest flew 21,500 flights approximately with these incorrect weights and therefore incorrect center of gravity. So the FAA slapped them on the wrist and said, shape up. Well, nothing happened. Then the FAA found that from, um, when was this? This was early 2018 until August 2019. Mm-hmm. Southwest was still using these incorrect weights. And so the FAA fined them, I believe it was uh, 3 million US dollars for this uh, error. And I'm not sure why this is coming up now, but um, the FAA is now saying that they're advising Southwest on their remedial procedures to fix the error. And uh, this is why it's taken them so long uh, to issue this statement. They've been monitoring Southwest, but um, again, a lot of the story doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, or maybe I'm uh, misinterpreting it or not understanding it. But again, I think it's just trying to they are just trying to assure the flying public that yes, they really are doing their job. But this is, as I said, is rare bad Southwest because they can do nothing wrong, at least in terms of the flying public. They have a very good relationship and very good marketing. I think of all the US airlines. But, so, but this sounds like first, 
why wouldn't they have fixed it all these years? That's the, um, the exact same thing. And yeah. why only 130 of them when they have about 200 and something of the aircraft? They might have been, a, they might have been delivered. My guess is that they might have been delivered during a certain amount of time and something additional was on, the, was on it. Maybe, maybe it was a directive or something. So, and they didn't update the systems for those particular planes. But then what I'm thinking is, so you're the FAA, you've given them a thing to fix it. Don't you say you need to fix it by a certain time and then somebody goes yep. back and say, hey, did you fix these? And if you didn't, you slap another fine or whatever it is. And how do you not, like if I find you, how do I not collect that money at some point? Or did they yeah. just collect the money and I'm, said, oh, you paid the money, so it's fine. I'm curious how they discovered it also. Obviously, I don't have all the details. And Southwest, by the way, says half the 150, it was not 130, they said, are back in service. But how did the FAA discover this? Oh, they I do wish check, they had mentioned that. They do check rides. So, okay. um, yeah, they, they do check rides on these airplanes. Um, and and I, I know this because a lot of them use the website for the schedule. <laughs> okay. And but so, the calculation yeah. of the, CO, the center of gravity is... is really interesting the way yeah. they do it yeah it's very it's very cool so yeah so, they do check rides so there is a checks and balance so one side is doing their job because they're finding the things but the airlines are like nope we're not doing it and it's like i don't understand it but somebody like southwest everybody you know cherishes and can't do any wrong admires and so many little things are coming out about southwest these days it's like come on guys get it get it together keep your reputation good but you know, people don't care anyway, because they have good fares, they have good customer service. You know, they have, uh, well, they had the advantage of uh, no change fee, but that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah. Southwest used to be untouchable, right? Yeah. There, no one would ever say a bad thing about Southwest. I don't know, so. I don't know. All right, well, hopefully they'll get But that. anyway, I just thought this was interesting. Yeah. And this was in um, actually multiple sources. So when I got a lot of this information from Reuters. Yeah, this is too funny. So, um, All right. So it looks like the people at United are tired of killing the planes. So they've called in for help. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> this I thought was very, very interesting to read about. I saw a little video they had. Uh, this was from this Apex Daily Experience emails. Uh -huh. So airlines are falling over themselves trying to convince the flying public that their planes are clean and they are safe when flying. Just to get more people on aircraft, which are flying anyway. Now, now so hold they, on a sec. It's not that the airplanes aren't safe, but that the customers are safe. Yes, <laughs> okay. yes that's true. <laughs> that's a very important dis distinction. Yes. <laughs> the aircraft are always i think i can be very yes, safe say. saying that but anyway um they have partnered with this company called microsonic solution and it's called a nova rover it's about a hundred pounds uh device it's got this uh it's about the size of a beverage cart really okay. um and it's got this multi-dimensional sprayer that um, is slightly taller than the seat, uh, seat back of an aircraft. And it can, it sprays out this defogger, which is ammonia based, which is a cleaner. And it can essentially disinfect 
um, uh, they said 12 square feet in one single spray. So they can do a 737 on average in about 90 minutes. So 90 seconds, sorry. Mm, okay. Which is pretty fast. Yes. And for not much cost. And the advantage of this is that it's an electrostatic spray essentially, but which puts this disinfectant on the surface of everything it touches and uh, sticks to it for a week or so they say. Mm. And any virus or bacteria that touches the surface is supposedly instantaneously uh, destroyed because of the action of the ammonia-based agent. Okay. So um, United was very clear in saying that this is, does not supplant any manual cleaning of the aircraft. I was just so going to say. Doing this <laughs> and the electrostatic spraying, which seems unnecessary but again i don't have all the details i want a video there is a video actually that's how i know the shape of this thing okay um all right so maybe we'll put a link to that so here's a question i have about that right um, yes when i first started working on, on the ramp uh, this was back in the early 90s mm -hmm. um i used to clean airplanes and uh we clean them by hand and people are very nasty and so they passengers yeah, passengers are yeah. very nasty. There's no question about that. Um, especially, sadly enough, uh, moms with babies. Uh, they just they throw all kinds of stuff and and like it, it's diapers in the seat pockets. Yes, yes, I know. I've seen them because I used to clean it. Um, that thing that does whatever it does. So you have to open the 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 seat backs. Yes. Um, tray tables. The tray tables, so they yes. could do that. You got to take up the monitors, um, so you could do that. So I guess all it's doing is, and 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 does it, it disinfects, but does it clean? So for example, if if somebody threw the seat loops, cover, no, it, right. If somebody seat. threw Fruit Loops all over the the um the thing, or or your last yep. passenger threw juice on the thing, you still have to clean that. So I guess that's why they're saying that it it doesn't replace anything. All it does is just replace the guy who used to walk through with that sprayer and spray the and spray the plane. It's actually That's automated, so no guy, no person has to be involved. But right, but but before they had a person who used to walk down the right. aisle and do that, right. so they've just replaced right. that person. So it's one less person they have to pay, which is a bad thing. Yeah, and um, the one thing that again was a little unusual is that is that this agent is not EPA approved, which is the Environmental Protection Agency here okay. in the U.S. Sorry. But they're working towards it. So obviously they're very sure that it will be certified. Yeah. But um, hmm. it's um, certified as category four by the EPA, which apparently means lowest level of toxicity and not harmful for humans or pets. Well, I hope so. Now, American <laughs> Airlines, just a couple of qualifying things, has okay. an EPA approved system it's called Allied Biosciences. It's called SurfaceWise that does the same thing. So I'm not sure why United doesn't use the same system, which is already EPA approved. They got a good but deal. I'm sure there are reasons for costs or something like that. Yeah, probably got a good deal. So, and another thing I wanted to specify that Honeywell, which is another US company, uh, demonstrated this 
their recent technology using um, UVC light. So it, again, it's a very similarly sized uh, device with two arms just above the passenger seat back that shines this UVC light through um, the cabin of an aircraft and disinfects everything in that range. They did this on a Shandong Airlines uh, 738, which is a Chinese carrier. And they said for just a few dollars per flight, of course, they never specified what a few dollars were, mm -hmm. but I'm assuming it's a few dollars. And it takes between five and 10 minutes to disinfect an entire 737-8. Now, so all these different technologies coming out, yeah. but I, based on what I know, I would imagine UV light, however weak or whatever, would over time damage seat fabrics yeah, and plastics, so. weakened plastics. Yeah, I would definitely think so. But I'm sure they've done a lot more research than I have in this yeah. regard. So the interesting thing about this, right, is um, almost every airline, and I, I, I can say every airline with, with some amount of certainty, um, especially the low-cost one, they farm out all this stuff. So right. gone are the days where at the hubs, even at the hubs, you have other companies that takes care of them. But primarily at the hubs, it's the employees themselves. Yeah, actually, and so, Cohen, one more thing I wanted to mention. Okay. Um, I'll remind, I hope you can remember where you mm -hmm. are, but this is being done at 10 US airports and it's done overnight. Yeah. So, so it's that, not done between flights. Which makes sense. That's the overnight yeah. clean because they, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. The overnight cleans are different than the turn cleans. And, right. and a turn is just the airplane comes in, it gets clean and it goes back out. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what were you saying? Um, I forgot my train of thought now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I forgot too. Um, I was I was trying to think of how when they oh uh, outsourcing so a lot of this stuff is outsourcing all the cleaning stuff is outsourcing and they outsourced it because it was cheaper and I used to, I used to be on these planes and I see these employees come on and they they don't really clean the planes because I come back and I find dirt and stuff in it um, so the airlines are investing all this money but really they're farming it out to the to the cleaning companies yeah. Um, that's doing it. So I wonder if the cleaning companies are actually investing into these things or the airlines going to say, well, here's the stuff that we want you to use. And then, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll be using it. Cause you know what, we're going to forget about all this stuff. As soon as, um, we have learned to live with COVID cause COVID-19 yeah. is still going to be here. I mean, all these viruses are always here. We just learn how to deal with them. And so once you've learned how to deal with it, I hope the airlines don't forget um, that we still want a clean airplane. I mean, I see Southwest already said, oh, you know, we're not going to clean the seat, box, the seat buckles. So it's like already- All because, about money. It is about money. Um, and I understand. I mean, I, I get it. I yeah, totally that makes sense. It. it totally makes sense. But um, we see what happens when you, when you had stopped cleaning the planes before. And now you're like, oh, we should clean them again. So it'll be interesting to see how, like, you know, like Swissport is one of the big ones that's out there. So we'll see how they incorporate whatever the airlines are doing into their workforce. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move up to north to our northern neighbor in Canada. 
Um, I think we talked about Nalinar before, which is a new airline. Yeah, they're so the charter what are company. They up to now? Yeah, it's like uh, mostly contractors and staff, industrial staff to oil fields, I believe, yeah. up north Canada. So they, I think we mentioned this maybe one or two months ago. Uh, they decided they wanted uh, to provide a little competition to Air Canada and WestJet. Mm -hmm. And they started this airline called OWG, which um, we later found out stood for Off We Go. Brightly right, colored right. planes, but um, they're 737-400s. So this was the original, uh, I, I believe they called classics. Yeah. Not the next generation, the NG. Um, so these are old planes, but I was reading um, in these, this email called the MRO Digest of how extensively they are modifying these planes from the passenger cabin to the avionics to the in-flight entertainment. Um, so they've put Wi-Fi on, on these aircraft. They're based in Quebec. Um, and they plan to fly to uh, leisure destinations in the Caribbean yeah. from Quebec airports. Uh, they've got wireless in-flight entertainment that is the size of a lunchbox and it's battery powered and it can be stored in the overhead bin. This is very similar to, again, another topic we reported on a few weeks ago about SpiceJet in India. Yeah, it was using. Do you remember that? It was yeah, using yeah. cell phones as the routers for their in-flight Wi-Fi. Is that one per seat they're using those little lunchbox things? No, it's one per aircraft. Okay. Yeah. So normally these are their entire sections devoted to the in-flight IFE using aircraft power, but these are now battery powered. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it's called Blue Box Wow. Uh, wireless in-flight entertainment from from Blue Box Aviation Systems. Um, they're also installing what they call the strongest and the lightest seats available. They're all made of titanium. They've completely replaced the um, cabin walls on the interior of the plane, and uh, they've upgraded the galleys and surprisingly they've included mode lighting which is only now included in the latest versions of all aircraft hmm. so they said um, on average about 10,000 hours of work go into one aircraft for the upgrade which is I think pretty impressive yeah, so is it taking all this trouble Huh. For these planes, which are probably worth almost nothing. Yeah. Um, and their first flight is on November 1st from some airport in Quebec to Cuba. And remember that they're doing this with Ola Sun Holidays, which is a Canadian right. agency. So um, Sunwings is a company, is a other charter company. That's that, right. That does right. that. And I guess you're kind of rouge and... Um, Remember that's going away. And air transit. Well, it should never have been in the first place. I thought that yeah. was some idea. 
Uh, and Air Transat is now Air Canada. Now Air Canada, right? So all of them just coming into one. So that's the competition. But I guess they looked at the numbers, and yeah. it, it yeah. was it was cheaper to get a to re retrofit an old plane. But then, how long yep. is the airframe gonna last? I mean, the four hundred airframe wasn't designed to be last to last yep. forever. You're right. You're right. right. So there's a the time thing, when they have to stop flying those. Passengers wouldn't know if they're traveling on a 737 100 or an 800. Well, correct. And if it looks good on the inside. Yeah. But remember WestJet's experience with 767. They thought they could buy these uh, used aircraft from Qantas. Yeah, they're stupid. To fly to Europe. <laughs> and questions. it gave them huge headaches. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, everyone is short sighted. Um, when they when they're doing that, they go, okay, yeah, we have this plane, let's use them. Um, <clears throat> I had a Plus, it's a gas guzzler. Exactly, four hundred. Exactly. I guess the four hundred. The engines are not the tiny ones, right? Um, because the no, three hundred is the one that had the big engines, and right. the four hundred are the same. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One hundred, two hundred had the little hairdryer looking yeah. engines. Yeah, it was really a tiny thing. So, yeah, that's bizarre. I mean, I wouldn't think they would get much life out of it, but they probably don't think they're going to be around long, long enough. Or they figure they'll make some more money and then go ahead and do it. I mean, because why would you spend so much money to fix up some old planes? How many do they have? I think four. Says what, $40,000 they spent to, to fix that up? No, no, no. no they, don't, they never specified the price. It's 10,000 hours of work. Oh, hours. These, okay. Yeah. That's insane. No. Um, but, I don't know but, if you have 20 people working, it's not that much. Yeah, but then they have to be recertified. But they're going to be recertified, right? I mean, this Boeing has to recertify yeah. them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. But remember what United did to the old 767 300s? Uh, yes, but that's different though, because that those planes weren't that old. Well, uh, some of them were. Actually, they really were old because they were inside. <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, so, so, um, Aircraft 666. <laughs> um, that airplane, uh, you know, I'm not superstitious, but I was flying on it once. And Are you rambling? No, I'm not rambling. I'm telling you about this really okay. funny story, I think. So I'm flying on it once, and the airplane, is the light's just going on and off on the <laughs> side. This is before they put, fitted the new interior. And the flight attendant is like, yeah, I fly this plane all the time, and this always happens. She goes, it never shorts out or anything like that. But that is always happening uh, on this particular plane. <laughs> and and, was, and they had, I think they have like 666, 665, 663, 664, or something like that. I'm surprised uh, they would give it that registration because they eliminate row 13, but yet they let 666. <laughs> Yes. Which is weird. So I think they're parking some of these seven sixes, and I hope six and six is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird because they've lasted United a long time, right? They but have. They, they have. Upgraded. But they just spent a bunch so, of money to upgrade those. Yeah. Um, and they look very nice from the inside, I think. Yeah, they do. Yeah, you know, winglets and stuff. Oh, boy. Um, so, all right. So, uh, in keeping with Canada, then. Um, let's move to WestJet. Uh, a bunch of airlines are like, free insurance is becoming a thing, right? The insurance company went from, oh, we're not covering COVID to, oh, we can make so much money covering COVID, so we're doing it. So who's the latest airline to start doing this now? WestJet <laughs> in Canada. 
Um, they announced this on uh, four reservations on or after September 18th uh -huh. for flights or for travel on um, WestJet vacations, which is the uh, leisure agency associated with the airline. Yeah. Uh, they've partnered with a company called Tugo, which is T-U-G-O. Um, and it's valid for travel until August 31st, 2021. Oh, okay. And the insurance um, is legal for 21 days after the last date of travel. Uh, you're eligible for one-way travel as well, if you book a one-way ticket, but that's only seven days. Um, after you land and after that the um, coverage is expired. They've got the usual coverage of emergency, medical and hospital costs. And for WestJet, um, it's 100,000 Canadian dollars, which is uh, 76,000 US approximately. Uh, they're also including um, ambulance transportation, quarantine costs, and air evacuation costs also in case you need to be repatriated up to about 5,000 Canadian dollars per person. So the standard stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the very next day, Air Canada announced that they were doing the same thing because of course they couldn't let WestJet have any sort of competitive okay. advantage. And they said for them, it was September 17th instead of September 18th until October 31st, 2020, and traveled through April 2021. So I don't know why it's for this very no narrow window of booking, but I'm sure they have their reasons. Um, this is only available to Canadian residents, by the way, at least for Air Canada's sake, Yeah. in Air Canada's case, and it applies to all destinations served. But by Air Canada. And the charges are quite similar, except that uh, for the um, emergency medical and hospital costs, WestJet is 100,000 Canadian per person. For Air Canada, it's 200,000 per person. Uh, okay. That's the big difference. And they've also, Air Canada has also included a 500 Canadian dollar coverage for anyone who needs to be who needs to come back immediately um, you know when the country raises their um, status from level three to level four yeah. like Britain found out when they did this <laughs> for Spain and Greece or they had this rush of traffic trying to beat the 14-day quarantine yeah, so I'm curious if any US carriers will start this um free covid co coverage but um we'll have to wait and see yeah and the, the the u.s carriers are probably thinking about it i mean they can't not yeah. right it make it makes sense to do that because the whole idea is that you want people to be to feel comfortable uh about about flying and right. if 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 i have the choice between flying a u.s carrier um and i mean emirates is offering it and so now your candidate is offering it. Fly Dubai, Virgin yeah. Atlantic. So if I'm going to London from Houston and um, Virgin is offering it and United and BA is not offering it, then I'm going to take Virgin. Well, see, the one thing I'm not sure, again, 
they haven't specified this, or I didn't look deep enough, is let's say I buy a Lufthansa ticket that in, includes um, Lufthansa from Frankfurt to, I don't know, Toronto, and then Toronto to Calgary on Air Canada. Is that Toronto-Calgary um, flight covered by this coverage? I don't know. It's um, Air Canada operated. Yeah, I would think that it's where you book because when you when you start mentioning it, I was like oh did that include coach air flights and um, and it if you're buying it it looks like you would have to buy it on Air Canada's website so but yeah yeah, yeah. and so if you're buying it sense. on there and they offer it to you then you've got it and they yeah. probably have it set up so if it's a coach air flight but it's behind the scenes though so I hope they tell you you have it uh, yeah, I mean, they have to disclose it to you that there, there's something there. So, it's insurance, so they have to disclose it to you and they have to actually send you a, a policy or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, we should check that to see what, what they're actually doing. The, so the whole thing about this airline doing all this stuff is, I think we're forgetting, we're doing everything except the thing that we're supposed to do, um, which in my mind is, People are scared to get on planes because they don't know if they're going to fall ill. And, right. because, and they don't know if they're going to fall ill because they don't know if the person they're flying with or they'll encounter, blah, 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 is sick. So it, even if you give me insurance, even if you clean the planes as much as you want to clean them, I still don't know if the person next to me has COVID or is going to make me sick. And when, when I've gone on planes, uh, when I get off a plane, I always have an itchy throat because people cough all the time. You can hear it. There's some of my videos, you'll hear people coughing on landing and all over the plane. So I think we're doing a lot of good things, but we need to concentrate the money more on other things. Like um, we should try to test people before they get on a plane. Because I think if we're doing that, then people are like, oh, okay, so I'm flying in a bubble, right? I feel more comfortable sitting to somebody uh, next to me because I know that they just got tested and they don't have COVID um, or something like that. So Yeah, but see, the testing is another thing. I could be tested today and be negative. I could be tested tomorrow and be positive. Well, correct, right? But at least it's something. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than me just not knowing, uh, because some airports are actually testing. A friend of mine just flew, I think he flew out of Madrid and did, and he got tested out of Madrid. And we know that- Frankfurt um, is doing it. Frankfurt is doing it. Hamburg is doing yep. it. I don't know if any US airports that are doing it, do you? No, I do not. Yeah, so um, I think that's why people are just, people are just not, you know, they don't want to leave their homes because they think they're going to catch something and they don't. But again, you need the results really fast. And at least in Houston, it's impossible to, it seems impossible yeah. to get results in under five to 10 business days, at which point the test is worthless. Well, I think it's because um, they don't want to pay for it because the one in Madrid, it's 15 minutes and they got it. They, they did a pinprick. I don't, I don't know how effective all that stuff is. Yeah. But, um, we need to get to there. So see, that's, that's not COVID. That just to say, if they're doing a pinprick, it's a blood test. So that tests whether you've been infected and have okay. antibodies. Okay. So you've so, had it in the past. Fair enough. You may not be um, infectious. 
So basically then what we need to do is we need to get better with the testing or the PCR or, or whatever it is. We need to be able to test you using the swab nose thing in uh, less than like same day, right away is what we need to do. From what I remember, Emirates was doing this. Yeah. They were not allowing people to board unless they cleared this 15-minute test yeah. at Dubai Airport. So I would say, <clears> so, yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change how we travel because we can't just go, oh, got to go somewhere. Um, I, you want to go because people just aren't comfortable. And, and they, they've, you can see the planes are clean. We know your planes are clean. Stop telling us your planes are clean uh, because that's not the issue. We know the airport's clean. When we're wearing a mask, uh, we know the bins aren't clean in some places, but it's not the cleanliness. It's the fact that you don't know if the person that you're going to encounter yeah. uh, is going to give you the virus. And I think... Uh, and you'll never know that. Right. You'll never know that, but I don't know. Chances so, are low if people obey and continue to exactly. wear masks. And if you get tested the... and stuff like that. Yeah. So we need more. Uh, because people are not convinced that all these things, because yeah. it's kind of after the fact, it's like you're saying, okay, fine, well, come fly with me, but if you get sick, we're going to take care of you. Like, well, I don't really want to get sick. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. All right. we're, we're getting there. We're getting there slowly, but we're getting there. Um, so the other story uh, in, in reference to that is uh, Air Canada. Um, since you're talking about Air Canada. So something came across the news where um, a few years ago, and we've talked about this before in the, on the show, um, JetBlue has something called All You Can Jet, and they actually did it twice. And the first time they did it, uh, it was a little more lucrative than the second time. I think it was $2.99 or $3.99. I remember you did this, didn't Oh, you? I totally did it, yeah. And basically, you could yeah. fly anywhere in the JetBlue system for $2.99. And they had little restrictions. Or it might have been $3.99. Like, um, you had to book it like 72 hours in advance. So you couldn't just show up and go, oh, I want to go to wherever. Now, I was working at the time, 9 to 5 jobs, mm. so I could only do it on weekends. But I flew all over the system. Um, I did because I know there's a bunch of little airports that JetBlue did that I didn't get to go to, and so I went up to like upstate New York, I went to Puerto Rico and uh, Richmond, and did a whole bunch of cities like that because I could only do it on weekends. So now Air Canada, um, in trying to jump at revenue, have done something very similar, and they call it the, the <clears throat> so they already have something called the flight pass, which is basically you buy a bunch of passes and you stick to a route or a zone. And you can fly, use the passes each time you fly. You pay an X number of dollars for it. So they've kind of extended that using the same back end with just minor changes to do something called the, the infinite pass, where you would buy, you buy these passes for, um, you, can, you can buy them up to three months. It's the same cost for each month. And they have like different categories, which you still haven't figured out why the prices are different for different categories, because it's only valid for economy class. <laughs> so we're trying to figure that out. And this guy use an app to book it. And the idea is that um, they just want to get a bunch of money. It's like $2,200 to fly anywhere in the system um, for one of the passes. And it's, um, what was it? Um, hang on one sec. Uh, it's like $2,260 um, for unlimited travel. Right? 
yeah, Canadians. Uh, I've never traveled for one month. And it's only for Canadians, by the way. <laughs> so, and so, you have to be a member of Aeroplan? Yes, Aeroplan, which is a frequent, frequent flyer. flyer program, which, which makes sense. I mean, you're going to yeah. get miles. You're going to get miles to this, so you should. I mean, that's actually, a, 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 if you're going to do a lot of flying within a month, uh, which I don't think people are going to do, but if you are going to, if you need to go across Canada uh, a few times, uh, you could do it. I could see these frequent flyer guys buying it and just doing like a whole bunch of transcon and racking yep. up the miles on it and getting all the status. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's 2,260 Canadian, but there's a lot of Canada that I have not seen. And this would actually be a really good deal to do if, if it wasn't just for Canadians. <laughs> um. uh, I'm still waiting for a U.S. carrier to do to bring that back. It's um, about at this time of the year that they typically do it. At least JetBlue used to do it. Yeah, right? yeah. Now you have to do you have you have until the twenty third to buy to buy the pass. Uh, but you know you can use it. Um, and there's mm. a lot of things that don't that's still not really um, clear on it. So, but basically, just go to uh, aircanada.com and search for the infinite. It's, a, it's called the Infinite Canada Flight Pass. And um, they also have something called a weekend pass, a student pass, and a flight pass, a business travel. So they, all they did was just made one that's infinite, meaning you can travel all over Canada um, on Air Canada Metal only. That means it has to be Air Canada or Air Canada Jazz and be a partner. Um, but then the borders are close to the US anyway, so. Does it include Rouge for now? Um, I'm assuming it does. Yeah, it includes everything that says that's called Air Canada. And so they're just trying to say that you can't can't use it on, on. Um, no. Yeah, but I thought it was a very poorly designed site. At least when yeah, I tried. But, to... but this is something that they already have out there. It's not new. Uh, well, the ultimate side of it is new. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the thing, and they have. I think that's it. Yeah, so it's actually at fp, f as in Frank, p as in Papa, dot aircanada.com. And you can get all the details uh, on there. So if you're Canadian, go do it. Air Canada needs your, needs your money if you have to go fly anyway. Because you know the oh, fear. And one thing I wanted to mention uh -huh. sorry, going back to the COVID insurance. Yeah. Um, it's wherever Air Canada flies, but it excludes Air Canada and WestJet flies, but it excludes the US. Ah, because okay. the borders are closed. Yes, to that's what you have to remember. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who one of our listeners is in Canada. He's not the only one, but um, uh, this would actually work out good for him. Uh, I don't know if you so, if you'll do that. This would be this would be a good deal for him. Um, all right, we're going to switch to Asia. So. Um, We've been talking about how, like airlines. Um, I could just imagine the meetings that we're having now. That way, I keep saying we. I'm, I'm not in industry anymore. <laughs> I don't work for an airline anymore. But um, I could see all the meetings there every time they go. Okay, great. So what are we going to do? How can we generate revenue? And so, uh, what's Cathay Pacific doing now? They're, they're following others, but what are they up to? So this um, this was again in the South China Morning Post, which is a Hong Kong newspaper. Yeah. And um, this sort of follows what airlines like Thai and AirAsia are doing in opening up restaurants to serve their in-flight meals to people on the ground. 
I've seen more and more pictures of this restaurant in this cafe in Bangkok, Thai International, which is really set up like an aircraft with old seats from a discontinued aircraft and all that sort of thing. And it seems to be doing really well. It's gotten a lot of press. So what Cathay Pacific has, is now doing is that they have this um, huge kitchen in Hong Kong. And they typically make about 83,000 meals a day across about 290 flights a day in normal times. Yeah. Uh, now, passenger traffic through Hong Kong is down about 90%. Oh, wow. So, in essence, this kitchen is uh, um, not being very efficient and they have not shut it down. So, what they have done, and I think it's a great idea because I think the food on Cathay is second only to Thai, in my opinion. But they are now producing meals for locals in Hong Kong. What they've oh. been apparently doing is that they've been selling this food to airport workers at Hong Kong airport. And now they've decided to expand it to the area around Hong Kong airport, which is called um, Dung Chung. Right. Um, I tried actually looking into more details in the menu, but the only one I could find was the chicken curry and rice. It was on sale for Hong Kong for Hong Kong dollars forty, which is about five US dollars, which is cheaper than a lot of fast food restaurants. That is a very good deal. And they said it was a, a mobile uh, cafe, so I'm assuming this means it was like it is on a like a food truck sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that concept is overseas other than in the U.S., but um, it's a, essentially a van that is converted to a kitchen from which you uh, can dispense food. But um, they don't expect this to generate a lot of revenue, but it keeps the, the Catholic Pacific kitchen running. And they said it's cheaper to keep it going rather than shutting it down and restarting it. Clean it. Because they said, on average, in August, on all their flights, Cathay Pacific had about 22 people on each aircraft. Wow. Which is really, really atrocious. That's impressively bad. Yes. Wow. But again, a lot of things have been going south for Cathay for no reason of their own. No right. fault of their own, rather. Yeah, yeah. they had a bunch of issues so, earlier. Um, I would actually like to try this because I think their breakfast noodles and their <laughs> dinner and lunch entrees are very good. But then, of course, a lot of disagree with me. Uh, well, uh, look, so airline food is actually quite good. People don't realize how much effort goes into preparing yep. the airline food. I mean, they get world-renowned chefs to cook, this, cook these meals, you know. Um, but like anything else, they're mass produced, right? Because there's so many, so many planes and um, sometimes they, they don't get heated, heated properly, you know, or, I mean, when you eat some, yeah, when overheated. You eat, exactly. When you eat something on the ground and you eat something at 30,000 feet, it tastes different. Uh, it, that's just, this, that's no. just like the science behind all that. Um, so I'm glad that they, they're doing that. And it, it does make sense that, um, you know, you don't close the kitchen down because one, you're going to get rid of all the people and two, you're going to have to clean it from top to bottom when you yep. start running it again. Plus all the ingredients. 
Yes, yes, they do a lot of stuff. So, um, no, I hope this succeeds. I really hope it succeeds. I hope so too. It is so interesting to hear all the different aspects of uh, yep how airlines are of the industry. Being creative. Yeah. Yep, and then people are like, "Oh, we don't need the airlines," and you think, "Really? You don't? You yeah, have you do. No idea how much you that airline supports Amazon it. deliveries and yes, and plus all the all the people that it supports, like your neighbor." probably works at the aircraft kitchen. I mean, you know, because um, like here in Houston, um, uh, United have Chelsea and Chelsea supplies food. I don't know if they call it Chelsea still. No, they, I don't think it's called that anymore. Probably call it something else, but it's the inside kitchen that supplies all the food that you, you get on all these planes that come out of here, most of the food anyway. Um, so yep. it's, yeah. And also the food you get in the clubs and things like that. So people just don't think about how much the airline industry supports the community. Um, I know like, for example, in Heathrow, uh, that entire Heathrow area uh, is all airport workers. Uh, you know, all those houses are on the side, all those are airport workers that are, that are in there. So that, that really supplies the, uh, the industry, right. I mean, the mm-hmm. area. Um, all right, so we've are got- Are you keeping track of time? Yeah, we're way over time. Uh, <laughs> we're like, we're almost at an hour and we got four more You're stories kidding. to go. Yep. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to complete those four stories because they're all in flight and then we'll wrap that episode and then uh, we'll have to do the aircraft stuff and the airport stuff in another episode, which is short enough to take half an hour. Um, so we say. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I go off on tangents. All right. <laughs> but... But this is the coolest one that's coming up. Say no, this one is not going to take two minutes to talk about. Um, Qantas. We've got actually two stories on Qantas. Uh, let's talk about the good stuff first. Um, they're doing a flight to nowhere, which seems to be a thing now. Um, so and tell us about it. It always seems to be in the East, centered yeah. around East Asia. Yeah. And of course, yeah. now Qantas has jumped in. And they've had incredible results. Now, the, granted, this is only one flight. Mm-hmm. This is October 10th, 787 flight of seven hours. Flight to nowhere, taking off and landing in Sydney. This is on a 787 called Emily. And I, if you see it, it's the one with, to me, looks like this red leaf pattern, a leaf skeleton, if you know what that is. Oh, I like that one, yeah. I think uh, it's the first in one they red, got. all across the bottom and the sides of the aircraft. Uh, okay. yeah. So what they're doing is that um, they have this flight for sale, it, as I said, seven hours, and it takes you in um, low-level passes in a figure eight, so both sides of the planes can get a view of most of the tourist sites in Australia. For instance, Sydney, the Central Business District, the CBD, and Bondi Beach. Then there's Uluru um, in the center of Australia. Then uh, what they call Kata Juta, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, which are these dome-shaped rocks in uh, the Northern Territories. Mm -hmm. Then the Great Barrier Reef and the Whitsunday Islands, which are between the Queensland coast and um, the Great Barrier Reef. And Byron Bay, which is again, a very picturesque area of Eastern Australia. 
and so on and so forth. Uh, this Air Canada, the um, one to seven, eight, nines, they typically seat 236 passengers in a 42, 28, and 166 configuration. So what they've done, and this is the odd part, is that they have sold 134 out of 166 coach seats for 787 Australian dollars, which works out to about 575 US. They've sold uh, 24 out of 28 premium economy seats for 1,787 US dollar, uh, Australian dollars, but only six premium seats, business seats in J, out of 42 for 3,787 Australian dollars. So I did the math and it works out to 171,000 Australian dollars revenue passengers wise, which is about 125,000 US dollars. And the surprising part is that this flight sold out in 10 minutes. That's not and surprising, Kushro. It's too late <laughs> because they did it this week somewhere. <laughs> and um, it sold out. Yeah. Um, but I think what they did also, in addition to this, just the flight was what captured a lot of imagination and uh, attention of passengers. You get a pre-flight breakfast. Uh -huh. Then you get a full meal by an Australian celebrity chef um, by the name of Neil Perry. Uh, you get a commemorative certificate, Qantas pajamas, an amenity kit, a gift bag, and the ability to participate in an auction of uh, Qantas 747 memorabilia. So I'm sure a lot of these passengers are airline geeks or aviation geeks, but I don't know that for a fact. And uh, Qantas is using this as a means to lobby the Australian government to open up domestic traffic and travel, because currently, um, States have different regulations and um, interstate travel is not really uh, as free as it once was. But again, I thought it was uh, a pretty incredible effort that Qantas put forward and they succeeded. So I'm sure there will be others to come. Yeah, that, that's, that, so, sort of, that totally makes sense. And it's, I mean, like, I'd go. <laughs> Uh, just the aviation geek factor of that is a is is a good deal. Um, one of the one of the things with with these uh, oh 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 we're talking about the number and the configuration and stuff like that. I'm guessing that there are other seats that they couldn't sell. They might have been reserved them for other for others. Yeah, it, it wouldn't does make sense that they only sold six. But if you're in the center section of a seven eight seven, how do you see out the window? If you're going to go over these um, uh, my, sites, my, my guess is that they have people. They move people around, or you, you know, one of the things. I you say, well, I'm going to move around because otherwise, what, what's the point of you just sitting in the middle of the plane? Right, because you right. can't see anything. Right. Um, yeah, I uh, think this, this is cool. This is very, very cool. Um, and you're going to see more people doing it. You could, I mean, think about it. You could do a, a flight for the U.S. 
Um, yeah, I, we've talked about this last week, I think. Yes, yes. So I'm taking bets who's going to do one first. And I, I wanted to say Southwest, but I'm going to say Delta. Who would you say? I would say Southwest. You would say Southwest. Because they're the fun, or they're, they're the perceived fun as the fun airline. All right. So, so we'll see if it's going to be Delta. Or and then another, it? I was reading just yesterday, but another Taiwanese area, Tiger Air, Taiwan. Yeah. They, they did one of these flights to nowhere from Taipei, but they flew over Jeju Island in South Korea, which ah. is a huge, huge tourist destination. Ah, see, that's awesome. And it was that's a part awesome. of an effort to drum up um, interest in Jeju, in traveling to Jeju. You've got to get people flying. I, I think... So you're Great saying, Southern Land 787 flight, as they've called it. That's the one, yeah. I mean, it, it, it totally makes sense. And I could definitely see why it sold out. And I can definitely see them doing it again. I mean, the country's closed, for sure. So, yeah, it was uh, the fastest-selling flight in Qantas history. Yeah, which, which, which totally makes sense. Their servers must have crashed. People are so upset about it because they didn't get to buy yeah. it. Because uh, so, I think for Australian... Sometimes they put on additional flights, and those flights sell out really fast. Yeah. So for this one to beat those is amazing. That's good. That's good. Uh, they're getting some money in which they des desperately need. Um, and yeah. the, the airplanes get to do what they do, which is fly. Right. And right. The, uh, the crew gets to do, get some work in. Um, yep. Keep their right. hours current. Exactly. Right. Um, that is the other thing about all this, right? Is that um, the pilots have to do a certain number of takeoffs and landings a month in order to yeah. be current. So um, there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes. I wish we had like an airline operations person who would come and talk to yeah. us about that. Uh, Especially the work involved in maintaining a, a grounded aircraft. Yes. In storage. Yeah. And, but anyway, we're digressing. But digression is good. All right, so we have two more. Oh, oh, you were talking about, um, uh, you had another story about Qantas. Was that the yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. So this was, now, no surprise that Qantas, like every other airline in the world, is in trouble. Yeah. Because revenues have slumped. There's no business travel. Countries are in self-imposed quarantine in most cases, in a lot of cases. Yeah. So they're bleeding money. And so what Qantas has, uh, this was in the, from the Qantas website. Um, they call it the newsroom. Mm -hmm. And what they said is they are looking at everything. So everything in the Qantas portfolio is under review, including their head office. Um, so they have this huge headquarters in Mascot, which is um, um, on the west side of Sydney, near, not too far from the airport. Um, and they've got the Jetstar office in Melbourne that they ironically moved from Sydney to Melbourne a few years ago. Right. So what they want to do is they want to save money. Um, they currently spend about 40 million Australian dollars a year on uh, real estate land leases, office wow. space leases, which is about 29 million US dollars. So what they want to do is try and save money, of course, and co-locate a lot of these uh, non-aviation related offices in one location or nearby yeah. locations. So they're even looking at flight simulator uh, locations in Sydney and Melbourne. 
and their heavy maintenance base in Brisbane to see if they can consolidate everything and save money. Now, of course, all of these operations don't just move overnight. Right. They can take several years. But the long-term revenue gains are substantial. And as Qantas said, um, they're looking at everything to try and save money. Which makes so, sense. Because I didn't realize Qantas headquarters started out in 1920 in Queensland. And they moved around in Queensland until about 1938, and they moved to Sydney in various locations around the CBD, Central Pacific. Yeah. Um, and they moved to the current headquarters in the 1990s. And they moved Jetstar from Sydney to Melbourne in 2004. Uh, so, okay. Well, but I, again, I, I thought that was an interesting story. Yeah, it is. So, well, I, I of course, it, this won't affect any customers, uh, and no plans are afoot to send any of these uh, businesses offshore, right. which is reassuring. Yeah, that is very reassuring. Well, I guess it makes sense because Qantas stands for Queensland and other territory aerial services. So yeah. it makes sense that it started in Queensland. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. That's right. Yeah, so I missed that talk completely. <laughs> that's all right. That's why we're both here. <laughs> when we're talking, I'm so, like, yeah, that's why. Um, yeah. Oh, jeez. Now yeah. I feel stupid. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> uh, no, that's anyway. good. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of how uh, how they're they're really trying to survive. And they're trying to survive because they know that the world needs the airlines. So, all right. Yep. Um, uh, we got a story. Okay, so we live in Qantas. Uh, we live in Australia and we go into Europe. Uh, Finnair. What are they doing with Finnair? What's going so, on? So, this is a story that I thought was very unique. Not unique, but very interesting until I found out how expensive it was. So Finnair has partnered with this um, healthcare services company in Finland called Terve Stalo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right again. But they've got locations and clinics all over Finland. Right. Now, Finland, Finnair has a lot of flights. Uh, they have a domestic service as well. They fly a lot internationally, especially to Asia. A lot of countries in Asia have these entry requirements for passengers under this new COVID environment. So what Finnair has done is partnered with this Derve Stalo company to provide its passengers with COVID tests, mm -hmm. rapid COVID tests that satisfy countries' uh, requirements for a negative test, I don't know, 72 to 96 hours before departure. So at the time of booking, um, you can access uh, the closest location to you when you make the booking for your Finnair flight. And um, you get this PCR nose and throat test and results in typically uh, about 24 hours if you're in Helsinki and about 36 hours after you take the test if you're anywhere else in Finland. Okay. So they will send you um, a text message saying whether you're positive or negative and 
upon request, they will send you an electronic certificate to verify that you are negative. And they'll also uh, provide you with a printed form, a certificate essentially, depending on the requirements of the country of your destination. Right. So I decided to try it. It sounded very in interesting and very convenient. And they said it would be provided at a 10% discount to Finnair passengers and 15% discount to Finnair premium passengers. And you could play, pay for it with Finnair plus points, which is a good idea. Yeah. So I went to the Thurvey Stalo uh, website to see. And can you guess how much this test is? In euros uh, or US dollars? About, since you're saying it's expensive, maybe about 500 euros? No, not that bad. Oh, it was okay. 235 euros for just the test, which is about 278 US dollars. Yeah, that's the most expensive one I've seen because uh, yeah, we've seen so it's hardly, even with a 10% discount, yeah. that's a lot of money. And um, this is the part that I found a little curious mm -hmm. is that they will provide you with an electric certificate. I really think it's a typo and they intended yeah, to say electronic. electronic they meant, yeah. There's a charge for that. Of really? 40, yes. <laughs> which is 47 US dollars. And that's then if you want a paper certificate, that's 54 euros which is about 64 US dollars. That's like charging me for an electronic boarding pass. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're positive, and if you wanted instructions on what to do, that is an additional 36 euros. All right, see, now that's wrong. So You shouldn't I, charge me and telling me how to get better. You've already made money <laughs> on the test. You've already made money in sending me the results. You're gonna charge but, me to tell me how to, how to, how to live? Good Lord. I, so yeah, I really thought this test would be what, 20, 30 euros. So it was quite a shock when I saw yeah. it was like 200 plus euros. So you think, why would Finnair partner with somebody who's clearly making money off of this? Maybe there's no one else? I don't know. Yeah, something smells. I like Finnair, but so, I don't like that. I don't like the fact that they're charging you the customers so much. It's, yeah. I yeah. mean, so, so you paid what, 275 Then I have to get my results, right? Then the results like another, what, 30 euros, 40, 40 euros? 45. Yeah, and mm. then, oh, by the way, I'm positive. Oh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> well, you don't have to get uh, help from this company on where to quarantine and how to quarantine. But if you do, it's 36 euros. And what are you going to tell me to go home and just chill? You know what I mean? It just seems, it just seems excessive. Uh, yeah. I've already given you 300 euros, 300, what, 270, about 220 euros. And you guess what? More? You can't travel. And I'm, and I'm sure Finet charges uh, change fees. So you're out of luck. Well, I would hope that if I am positive, I, and I can't travel, and yeah. I'm using all these services from Finian. I've already paid 300 euros almost. Um, they would go, okay, fine. I'm not going to charge you a change fee. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Yep. This was in World Airline News. Yeah. But that sounds like a really odd one. Um, 
question about PCR tests. I don't know if you know this. Um, huh. When you've taken, why does it take so long to get the results? Is it the volume of people testing? No, it's or? like the actual test because um, what PCR stands for is called uh, polymerase chain reaction. Mm-hmm. And what it is, what it does, it is it amplifies um, DNA, which is the basic building block of all cells in the human body, in everybody, um, including animals and plants and everything. And it amplifies them to a level where you can detect it. Right. So this is how they find out criminals, for instance. I know I'm wildly off course. No, no, no. Go, go, go. This is good. But... Um, there was this recent case of uh, some serial killer somewhere in the US, in California, I believe, where they suspected he was a killer, but they couldn't prove it until they caught him disposing of a cup of coffee in a trash can. So they went and retrieved that cup of coffee and uh, do a swab, just like they do for a COVID test, off that cup of coffee put it in a nutrient mix, which is typically saline, and then use PCR to amplify the DNA in that sample. And from that DNA, you can identify who the person is. Wow. So you've heard of this agency called 23andMe, for instance? Mm -hmm. Same concept. Uh, That's what they So that takes a while to do. That whole test takes several hours to do. Uh, okay, so, 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 so it can be done in a few hours. It can be done in a few hours, yes. Uh, okay, but I guess they don't have the capacity to do it in a few hours. So if we were to do a PCR test... 24 hours is pretty good, right? Huh? 24 hours is pretty good if, you're, if you live in Helsinki. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm, th- so what I'm trying to think is that that stuff needs to be done at the airport before travel, right? I mean, that's... No, where- not at the airport. You have to go to a clinic in Helsinki or anywhere else in Finland before you. But I'm just thinking in order for us to like, you know, get back to people traveling, we need to Uh get that test done. At um, the airport. airport. And have results right there and then. Right there. So it's almost like I check in and I go do my test and then I go. Right. And people don't have uh, like, I mean, you're doing a day trip across the country. You don't have four hours to spend at the airport on both sides to take a yeah. test, right? Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the the thing that we we need to we need to figure out how. And I'm sure someone is thinking about it, right? How can we get enough enough people tested in such a short space of time so it works? So again, I come back to this: if Emirates could do this several months ago. Admittedly, there weren't too many passengers on their flights about three or four or five months ago. But still. (coughs) um, Yeah. But but you know, for the U.S., it's always about the money. It's always about the insurance. It's always about, um, you know, how much, how much, how how can we gouge a customer? Because, you know, everybody's gouging. I I went to the grocery store. Milk, 2% milk, $2.49. I go back a week later. It is three dollars and forty-nine cents. I go back a week later. It is three dollars and nine cents. Ridiculous! How are you changing the price of milk, which you know everybody uses so much over 
three weeks. Doesn't, yeah. make, doesn't make any sense. So you know they're gouging us. Uh, and, and when you talk to them about it, yeah, we're going to talk to corporate. No, you're not. You're not going to tell corporate anything. You're just telling me that. So here in the U.S., it's always, it's always about the Benjamins. Well, obviously in, in Sweden, or, or I'm sorry, in Finland, it is about the money because it's really expensive. <laughs> um, but, uh, all right, wow. That's interesting. All right, so I think, oh, we got one more story. Um, Pakistan. Let's go to okay. Pakistan. <laughs> Again, very, I think very unusual. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, we announced that we talked about how Virgin was diverging from its North Atlantic centric route network mm -hmm. to move further east. And they were planning to start, they are starting flights to Lahore and Islamabad in the northern part of Pakistan starting in December. Now, of course, Britain has a huge expat population of Pakistanis and Indians. Right. Um, and uh, British Airways was already flying to Islamabad. Then all of a sudden this week, um, they suddenly announced that they were flying to Lahore. And not just in December, but next month, which oh. gives them just a one month booking window for their first flight. Which is a not really typical of what how BA does things. Right. But they probably realized that Virgin was onto something with their new Pakistan flights and decided to one-up them. The one thing they did do different from Virgin is that they made this Lahore flight amenable to connections from the US and Canada. And of course, both countries have huge populations of Pakistani expats. Yeah. So it's an evening departure out of Heathrow and a 1 p.m. arrival back into Heathrow for BA. So you can still get connections back to uh, the U.S. and Canada. You can still get to Houston. Uh, yes. And um, the Virgin flight arrives back at 5 p.m. in Heathrow, which is too late for all, most if not all, yeah. U.S. Mm -hmm. connections. So I am won't be a bit surprised if Virgin adjusts their schedule to also come in a little bit earlier in order to catch those uh, passengers, to get the passengers connecting from the Western Hemisphere onto these new yeah. flights. That might not be too bad. They should still be able to get to the US, probably on the, um, the last flight, the last, uh, the last flight into JFK or the last flight into Newark. See, JFK and Newark are not the only uh, airports. Well, right. So, but, but, but those are the gateways for Delta and, uh, and Virgin. And so, and I think... It's one gateway, right? Yeah, but it's a huge one, right? Yeah. So, so you can, I mean, once you get to the U.S., they can get everywhere else. So, uh, and right now, it is difficult to get to the U.S. from Pakistan anyway. So this would be a, anything. Yes. Um, so... It's, it's not bad. Arriving at 6... They'll probably have to overnight and take the morning flight uh, because I think yeah, that right. adds expense. Yeah, they miss the six o'clock and there's like a six o'clock and a 6.30. So, yeah. So I was curious about this because Lahore and Islamabad, yes, they're big population densities, but Karachi is the biggest, which yeah. is on the coast. And um, apparently security is the issue in Karachi. 
because the highway between the city and the airport is um, not the safest place in the world to be in the night when most of these flights depart. Yeah. But, and all of this supposed violence is politically motivated. And given that the capital is, is Islamabad and Lahore is not that far away, those cities are relatively much safer than Karachi is. And it's really the Western crews that are the most effective because um, for the Middle East carriers or for most other carriers, they go in and out of Karachi, you know, with the same crew. Mm -hmm. But for airlines in Britain or other Western airlines, they typically have to house these crews overnight. Yeah, because they're hard. And it's their security that is a big concern. Yeah. So that's apparently why Lahore and Islamabad are preferred destinations, if you can even say that, over Karachi currently. Okay, that's interesting. So, <laughs> oh well, there is so but, much that goes that gets involved in like planning a new route. Yep. Um, and especially if you've flown to like a completely new country that you've never flown to before, mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of little things that uh, that go in that go in there. Wow. So. All right. But I just thought this was interesting because airlines start routes all the time and why we decided to pick this. But I just thought it was different yeah. to mention. Well, again, you know, they're looking at the places that they would never have considered going to. And now they're now they're going in the to, past. Yeah. Right. In the past, because, you know, they were making money off the other ones. And now they're not making money off the other one. And you realize, you know, a lot of people flying. There's a, but what, what's the term that they call in the industry? Is it uh, Pidu? PDEWs, yes. Yeah. Passengers per day each way. Okay. So, which is very important when you're planning a new route. Yeah. And so, um, there are systems that you can use to figure this out based on who lives in each area, what's, what industries are in each area. And so, you come up with this number. And um, that's, how, that's one of the aspects that they use to figure out how we're going to yeah. buy And they also, British um, population statistics data also said that a lot of the Pakistani diaspora living in the UK are from Punjab Sindh area of Pakistan, which is okay. where Islamabad and yeah. Lahore are generally located. So good. good stuff, Kashir. Good stuff as usual. Um, all right. So then I think that is the last item in this category. <laughs> And uh, we're, we're like, um, we're like an hour and a half almost. So we're going we're gonna to call this one a wrap. People are going to cuss us out. Uh, but, you know, they're not saying anything. Oh, oh, oh yeah. one thing is good. We, um, we've made it on Amazon. Amazon has a, so if you've, if you've gotten to this far in the thing, I probably should have told you at the beginning in case you just want to leave after. But um, we made it on Amazon. So Amazon, Amazon Music is out there, and they just launched Amazon Podcast. About two weeks ago, I think, I applied to be on Amazon Podcast, and um, we got accepted. So if you have Amazon, um, you just search for what's happening in travel or search for my name or Krishna's name. And is be Jeff Bezos to going to give us a little bit of his money? Uh, no, actually, we're giving him money because now that he now he can say, "Oh, we've got Amazon pod podcast," and he's probably going to charge for it at some point, just like how he's charging for Amazon Music. But there is a free part of Amazon Music, 
And uh, okay. I'm pretty sure they're going to charge Amazon Podcast eventually. But, you know, it's just another way for us to distribute. Um, the more people that gets out there and then we can say, hey, you know, we have a lot of people listening to us and then um, we can ask the sponsors. I'm actually going to start asking for sponsors and see if they're... they're we should really should try and keep this within an hour. We keep saying that, but we never do. I know, but, we, but, we, but, but think about it, Kisha. All the stuff that we just talked about, we couldn't talk about that in, a, in, a, in half an hour. Just who has like, time to listen to us continuously for 90 minutes? Apparently, 143,000 <laughs> people. <laughs> so. uh, which, I mean, that's a lot of people, right? That's like uh, yeah. a stadium or something like that. So um, thank you guys so much. Uh, that, was, that was all you had in Pakistan, right? Yes, yes. Okay. All right, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Um, we do have more information, but we are actually going to talk about it in um another episode which would be episode 35 so that's all we have for episode 34 this is uh kerwin and my buddy for sure for another episode of what's happening in travel and my phone is ringing my mom's on the phone so i really have to go all right everybody talk to you soon